You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 15. In this episode, I'm speaking to Zach Spookler, who teaches online entrepreneurs how to do five-figure challenges. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Zach Spookler, who helps online entrepreneurs through his highly practical online courses on Facebook ads, Facebook challenges, and messenger bots. Zach is a rising star in the online world. He was only 22 when he left his job and mastered program to become an online entrepreneur himself and now has a multiple six-figure business. Want to learn how you can have a five-figure challenge with your online program? Zach is running a free training and you are invited. Get access to his free training and the show notes of this episode by going to sigrun.com forward slash 15. I'm so excited to be speaking to Zach Spookler here on the show today and to talk about how to use a challenge to sell a high-end program. That is something special. Super excited to have you here, Zach. Thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So I always like to start with telling people how I know someone or if I started to follow someone or how they've inspired me. And... I remember seeing you very active in some Facebook groups. I think it was mainly the Freedom Hackers group by Kimra Luna. And I think I even heard from her that you kind of worked a little bit together at some point. And I think one day, either it was you or me that friended each other on Facebook without really having spoken with each other. And sometimes these relationships tend to go nowhere. But then we, I started to follow you more. You were more active in other groups that I was in. And then we are now both in Mastermind with James Wetmore, which then obviously we're getting to know each other better. So it's really been inspiring to follow your journey, Zach, and see you kind of take off more and more. And that's why I would love to know more about how you have been able to grow your business so fast before we dive into the challenge piece. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, it's been, gosh, it feels so funny now, but it's been a couple of years. And yeah, I did used to work with Kimra Luna as her, I nightlined as her virtual assistant while I was still in college, just to learn more about the business and generate some funds to do some fun stuff with Facebook ads. So I can give you a little backstory on how we kind of ended up where we are now back when I was like 13, 12, 13 years old. And I know I was 12 because my first dollar I made online, I did filling out surveys, which is like super old school and doing pay to click. That's what it used to be called. And it was this model where you could click on ads. You would get like a penny for every click and you could use that money to buy additional referrals under you. And I ended up making about $12,000, $13,000 in high school doing that, which was pretty cool. A lot of the money went back into the business. But back then, that's when I really started getting interested in the idea of generating revenue online. And anybody who knows me knows me. I'm a numbers junkie. I am a marketing junkie. And over time, we can kind of skip through the formalities. But 
essentially I gravitated towards wanting to really study and, and learn more about marketing. And so I would say about five to six years ago, I really started digging into the industry and studying, you know, listening to podcasts and consuming stuff. And I always like to start back there because a lot of people see, you know, people launch these marketing brands and it's like, well, where did they come from and what are they doing? And, you know, for me, it was just a lot of testing everything out. And so I can pretty confidently say I've tried most things that you can do to make money online. So I've done surveys. I've done pay to click. I've done affiliate marketing. I've done info affiliate marketing. I've done physical product affiliate marketing. I've done niche websites. I've flipped websites. I've done the programs. I've done the one on one consulting. I have tried everything and kind of found my groove through what works. And so I'll be the first one to tell you like Heart, Soul and Hustle is one of, you know, if not the first like massively successful venture that I've had. Everything's always been profitable. That's something I'm always really big on is like we don't want to lose money on anything. But this is the first time we've been wildly profitable. And that really comes down to, you know, anybody that's met me in person knows I am not into marketing because it's the easiest way to make money. I'm into it because I absolutely love it. I'm absolutely addicted to it. And I will test, experiment, try any number of things. And your kind of question was like, well, how did we get here? And just to kind of define it here is we're now doing, you know, $100,000 launches. We've done a couple of those. We do really great promotions. We've got five-figure one-on-one packages. You know, it's gotten to a point where I'm able to charge relatively premium rates, but that comes with having, you know, relatively, I guess, premium almost sounds silly, but premium knowledge of having, you know, studied the industry for years and and always studying the industry. In fact, this morning I was just reading a book on copywriting because I think that there's this secondary piece, which is, you know, you always have to be, I hate the saying like charge your worth. I prefer to like build your worth, right? Invest in yourself, take courses, do that stuff. If you want to charge your worth, you have to be worth more, right? That's, that's where it comes from. So that for me was a huge part of it. And It got to the point now where in the last year and a half to two years, I've really gotten great at developing systems. And almost everything that I do operates off of a system of some kind, duplicatable, scalable, not down to the letter that you might think of, like not like click here, do this. But we build out skeletons and systems for almost every type of launch we want to do, or we leverage someone else's systems and skeletons over almost everything that we do. And what that's done is really allowed us to scale the business fast. So right now, we're actually planning a launch. I have a meeting this afternoon with my ads person. We're going to spend about $30,000 on ads, which is crazy to think about now when you talk two years ago. But I share that because that's how we're able to do it, because we we build these really predictable systems. One of them is what we're going to talk about today, our challenge system. Um, that's actually what we're front loading a lot of leads into. So we combine that with a webinar we've been testing for a year and we'll have a, a really awesome launch. So your question was, how did we end up here? And, and the short answer is, you know, we I really invested in applying myself and studying the industry, getting really great systems down and scaling with time, right? I always like to tell people, you know, we share these big launch numbers, but not a lot of people like to talk about expenses and team structure. And a lot of that came into play. So now we're able to spend $30,000 on a launch. But I can tell you two and a half years ago, our first launch, I think we spent like 150 on ads. So it's been a road, but it's all about application, scaling and study. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, People often look and say, oh, this is another overnight success story. And we know that's not how it works. Although two or three years is pretty fast. And yes, maybe you've been testing other things for five and six years, but ultimately this business is not old, right? (laughs) And I'm always curious, you use the word we, and I think you maybe used that even before you had a team. Is that, is there a reason for that? (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, when I first got started, I used to say we, and it was really tongue in cheek because I would say me is ju- or we is just me and my my two dogs. But I say we to really separate myself from the business, and I made that kind of intentional choice at the beginning. So one thing that's very interesting, I guess, is I did not brand my business as myself. And it's not something I talk about too, too often. So it's a really interesting question. But I always I didn't really know where I wanted the business to go. And I know that, you know, if I decide to separate myself from the brand or I decide to take on, you know, a partner or I decide to sell the company, you know, none of those things are even in my peripheral at this point. But I'm a I'm a big picture guy sometimes. So, you know, that would be much easier to kind of split away from, if you will, if I had, you know, had named it as myself, that would be a lot harder. So that's kind of where I branded the company instead of myself. And that has led to, you know, the ability to do a lot more. So I can be the challenge guy, but heart, soul and hustle can teach Facebook ads and launching and all this stuff. So there was some strategy to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always interesting because I use the word I a lot and you use the we and I was like, oh, interesting. I have to ask Zach about that. So, but today we want to talk about challenges, right? (laughs) Yes. And not the typical ones. I want to know a little bit more about the high end because I think not many people believe you can sell a high end program, let's say a mastermind. Let's say a 12-month mastermind or something or a three-month expensive coaching program or retreat or anything of that kind of category for several thousand dollars. Can you sell that with a challenge? And Zach said yes and said, ooh, let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So... You know, this is a really fun topic for me because I do work with a widespread of people. So we've got people who sell everything from $97 courses up to $10,000 mastermind style packages with five day challenges in our course. And, you know, I talked to you a little bit before we recorded and I was like, well, we, you know, I personally don't sell a ton of high end offers with my challenge, though some people, you know, that's it's a it's an arbitrary term. Our program is about a thousand bucks, but we don't really sell like, you know, multiple thousand dollar coaching packages. But one thing that's really cool is after every challenge we do, we always get an influx of people to get on our coaching wait list. So I knew firsthand that this happens. We actually had a We just signed a a guy to become a client, a very high end client, one of our highest available packages, and he came through a challenge. So it's it's funny to see the little things like that. So we like to say it's a relationship building tool, and that's what's really allowing you to land these these high end clients. Now, that being said, I always listen to these shows and they're like, well, here's what I did and here's my results. And I'm like, I don't really care. (laughs) Right. Like, obviously, you're doing fine for yourself, Zach. So we have a few students in the program, and I can think of a couple of them off the top of my head who have really successfully moved people into coaching packages. And there's one that sticks out to me, too, actually. One girl uh, was selling a foreign language program. She's helping people learn French. And she ran the challenge selling a low-end program, but at the end, she landed a high-end client because someone reached out and was like, I'm not ready for your, you know, I don't want to be in your program. I just want to buy time with you. So she landed a one-on-one client that way. We have another girl who filled up a high-end mastermind. So she was landing multiple thousand-dollar clients. She did a $60,000 launch in the course of about a week, and she filled up her mastermind program, which don't quote me on this, but it was somewhere between four and six months. And we just recently were actually waiting to get results, but I happen to know the person who did it that just did a five-day challenge and leveraged it into the launch of a $9,600 coaching program that has already seen applications and she's already sold multiple spots. So it absolutely works fantastically well, but I think you already started to allude to it. 
I won't steal your thunder. I'll let you ask the questions. But it does come down to having a challenge system that's not just five days of content and then a pitch. It comes down to having really sequential things designed to create a relationship, create a desire and create a really powerful offer that converts. Yeah. So how about, you know, walking us through what you would suggest to someone, you know, let's say imaginary new client comes along and wants to design a challenge to sell a high-end package. Would you rather say that it's better to sell a lower-end program and then just get the high-end clients as a follow-up or could you go directly to the high-end offer? Yeah, it's a it's kind of a loaded question because it's going to depend on your business goals, right? So yeah. here's the short answer. Both work. It's all about the intention. So for me, you know, I don't take on a large catalog, if you will, of one-on-one clients. At most, I'm working with a handful of people. It's just, I don't really like being tied to my calendar. I like the idea of traveling. I like the idea of reaching more people in a one-to-many group format. So for me, my primary goal is always to fill the seats of a one-to-many program. Now, if that's your intention and the byproduct is high on clients, awesome. If you're like, listen, I don't want to sell a program or I don't want a 197, 297, whatever, you know, ends in a seven because that's the way our industry works. Uh, If you don't want to sell one of those and you just want a coaching program, you should position it that way. And that's actually a really great segue into like, where where do you start? And, And number one, you need to start with the intention of the launch and the intention of the challenge. And you have to get clear on what you want to sell, but you have to get really clear on what transformation does someone need to go through to be ready to buy that program? So, you know, it's not that it's easier to convert somebody at, you know, I don't know, 297 than it is at $10,000. In fact, interestingly enough, and I'm sure you can kind of chime in on this, but we find it's a lot easier to close high level clients than it is to close low level clients. And when I'm talking level, I'm talking about financial investment. So it's really start there. But the transformation is going to be different, right? So if I'm going to work with people in a one-to-many fashion, then I better make sure that my challenge has that very one-to-many curriculum-focused feel where it's community-led, but leader facilitated, if you will. And if I'm going to sell a mastermind program, then I'll probably be a little more hands-on because the people who buy from me, they need to know what it's like to get firsthand experience from me. If I'm launching a high-end mastermind program, the other thing is... I have less people in my challenge. So the last time we did a challenge, we had about 3,300 people in that group. And I made the mistake of, well, maybe this was two challenges ago because I didn't make this mistake twice. I made the mistake of like, I will respond to every single comment. And at the end of that week, I had commented somewhere in the ballpark of 2,000 to 2,500 times over the course of five days. And I would never do that again. But that challenge was designed to sell one to many. If I was going to do a high-end coaching program, I don't need a challenge of 30,000 people. I need maybe two, 300 people with my goal to close five to six of them. And I can be way more hands-on. So... This was, I wasn't quite expecting to go this direction, but I love it. So that's, you know, that to me is if you're going to launch a challenge and you're trying to decide how do I position it, all of those things need to be factors. So how big is your audience and how many people can you get in? What do you want to sell? How many people do you need to it? And really that comes down to goal forecasting, which is like a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down. And I'm sure that you've talked about this before, but before you ever dive in, figure out what you want. So like we know our revenue goals, our lead goals, all these goals before we go in. And I think 
with a high-end mastermind, hopefully this isn't too tongue-in-cheek, but if you're charging you know, $10,000 for a mastermind, you should be at the point in your business where you're goal forecasting and doing those things. So I'm a firm believer, like I said in my intro, of like, you know, pour into that knowledge into yourself. I mean, if you want to charge high-end, take the time to goal forecast and start there. Mm. So if we were to imagine this person who wants to do a challenge to sell a high-end program, then uh, they would do some kind of preparation work with them or show their coaching. I have seen challenges where people are actually coaching for five days, right? And then selling into a coaching packet. Would you recommend that or rather exercises? You know, I wouldn't recommend that. And for a long time, this was a big sticking point for me because the feedback in our industry, the feedback from our audience is always like, well, if I'm not coaching or if I'm not giving everything for five days, then, you know, isn't it just me withholding information to get the sale? And it's really not. First off, like we can just, I can just flat out tell you that's not what it is. And we just did a, a training for some of your people where we talked a little bit about this and the big thing to understand is that you, oh my gosh, I'm totally losing my my own thought here. Give me one second. Can you, can you give me the question one more time? Like I'm total newbie at this. Yeah. Apparently. So uh, <laughs> let's say I'm preparing a challenge for a high-end program. And one idea would be to coach every day for five Got days. Got it. So Another showing up and, and coaching. To, Got it. Do like, you know, some kind of a vision strategy plan. And then, hey, you need to join my mastermind to implement yeah. the plan. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So... Let's dive back into where I was. I I do this for a living, I swear. So (laughs) (laughs) if you're going to just throw content at people or throw coaching at people, what I like to equate this to is really old scientific study. And I say really old, but it's like 50 years old. I'm always going to, I always forget who it is, but there was this scientist who did studies on dogs and you're about to learn what like a real marketing psychology nerd I am. He did this study on dogs where he put dogs essentially in this enclosure and some of them had electrified floors and some of them didn't and there was this control group and I'm already getting really nerdy but don't worry it'll all come together basically there were dogs that were able to shut off the electricity they could learn how to stop the floor from essentially electrocuting them and there was a second group of dogs that no matter what they did they were not able to stop the electricity right and what they later did was came back and did the experiment and they retested all these dogs and they found that even if they put these dogs who didn't have the ability to turn off the electricity, if they put them in a setting where they could stop it, based on what they'd seen, they were not able to condition them to essentially stop themselves from being hurt. So how does this apply to what we're talking about now? Well, basically, this led to the discovery of this psychological phenomenon called learned helplessness, which is basically you can teach, in this case, a dog, but we're going to say your audience, who's a little more sophisticated, we'll give them that, but you can essentially teach a dog to not remove themselves from a painful environment, okay? You teach your audience to be helpful when you show up for them for five days. It's almost the exact opposite, right? You're teaching them to be helpless and that you have become this instantaneous resource that they can just go to. And when you're gone, they don't, you are not conditioning your audience when you just throw content or coaching at them to understand this pivot on day five. And it sounds silly and it sounds trippy and it sounds almost like next level. But the reality is you're teaching them that you don't have to pay me any money. You don't have to do anything to get a full world-class experience. And then on day six, you're going to try to use your words to disprove their experience. And psychologically, it's just not going to work, right? So 
whether you agree with withholding information or not, what I want you to understand is that if you give these people free coaching and free everything and you throw everything at them, number one, assuming that they're even able to get through it because the average audience will just be overwhelmed if you give everything, even if they get through that, you've now created a brand new objection on day six and you've set them up for failure after your challenge. And we know this happens because it's something that we see in our challenges where the feedback is people go, well, I can do this on my own now, right? That's what you're going to get. That's going to be your biggest objection. And then you'll get emails in three to four weeks that are like, well, I can't do this on my own. Can I get in your program? Right. So realize that if you want to think about it from like almost a, a moral standpoint, if you give them everything and the kitchen sink, you're going to set them up for failure right after your challenge because you're giving them a false sense of security and confidence. So outside of sales, outside of everything, you don't want to empower your people to be helpless. So long winded answer with like real psychological reasons to not do that to your audience. But the basic answer is this. You're not throwing content at them. You're giving them small, actionable micro commitments that move them to be in a place to decide whether or not they want to work with you in a paid capacity. And everything else is secondary to that. Mm. So would something like creating a plan and then the coaching package is the implementation would Absolutely. be a micro challenge, right? Absolutely. That is a fantastic way to do it. And that's how we run a lot of our challenges. It's actually how we're running a challenge that we have coming up. And it's how we run a lot of our successful challenges. So it feels a little inception-y. We do a challenge on challenges. I know. But we teach people how to map out the five days of their challenge. And what that does is, number one, it gives them the information. It walks them through the, our process. It gives them some tangible teaching tools. But at the end, we give them a plan. And there's this very clear dichotomy of, do you feel good about this plan and you don't need my help? Or do you not feel good about this plan and you want to continue to work with me? And of course, because we're marketers, we're going to make sure that we highlight the important stuff. Like, you know, in our case, we're doing launching. So we would say like, do you know how to get people in your challenge? Do you know how to promote your challenge? Do you know how to make sales? Do you know how to position everything? Do you know how to do the logistics of it? Do you know how to set up a landing page? Do you know how to write great sales copy? So we're going to essentially give them a plan, which is great content. Like for the record, my clients pay really great money to get a plan from me. Right. And then we're going to say, here's the next step. So we're exposing the gap. It's a sales term, the gap of here's the plan. Here's what to do. But if you want to know how to do it, go to the next level. Um, and I know that you teach a lot on webinars, so I'm sure you've said that before. It's, it's all about giving them what, not giving them how and understanding that that's okay that you're still That's giving okay. tons of value and you're creating yeah. momentum in their business, their life, etc. Yeah. Well, there's often criticism. I just saw somebody post on Facebook again today. It was like, oh, these webinars where you don't learn anything. Oh my but gosh. Don't even you get know, me I decided, started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, if your ideal client is on that webinar or in that challenge, they feel they've learned a ton and they're ready to take the next step. It's those who were not the ideal clients in the first place. Or would you not agree? No, I would agree 100%. And I, I actually see these posts all the time where people are like, oh, I don't like that the first 15 minutes of a webinar is all about the presenter. And I firmly believe that your first 10 to 15 minutes of your webinar should be about you. It should be attracting people into your life. And I think what happens is 
you know, sometimes when people don't like our content, whether it's a challenge or a webinar, first thing to understand is like, not everybody has to like you. I can't tell you how many times we get like angry letters, not letters, I guess, but like an email that's like, you don't know anything or like mean comments on our Facebook ads. And my thing is, if I'm getting emails from my customers and clients that they're loving our challenges and our webinars, why do I care what the people who didn't like my webinar have to say, right? Because those people aren't paying me, right? There's a really good quote that I love from RuPaul that I've been throwing around lately, and it's, don't worry about the people that aren't paying your bills, right? So in reality, three to 5% of the people in your challenges, your webinars are ultimately going to buy. Why do you care what the other 95% thing? If they're not paying your bills and they're not determining the success of your business, why do we give so much volume to these people? And I think that's absolutely something to think about with challenges where do we get people who are like, all you did was show me how to do the five days. Absolutely. But then we also get people who go, wow, this is exactly what I needed. I'm ready to buy your program. Fast forward three months and they've done 10, 20, $30,000 launches. So, you know, it's really about where your attention goes, your potential grows. And I like to think of it that way. It's the same as whenever a client kind of goes head to head with me about like, well, I really feel like because one or two people said this, that I should change everything. We send them to Amazon and have them read one star reviews of like Charles Dickens novels because they're literary classics, right? Go look up a one star review of A Tale of Two Cities or Romeo and Juliet or those are both Shakespeare. Great expectations. Like go read the reviews and people will be like, ugh, prose is so bad. And like Shakespeare is known for having some of the best prose in American literature, right? So I always like get out of your own little box and realize that all of these kind of voices in your head about like, oh, my webinar this or my challenge that it's not going to be enough information. It's going to be just the right amount of information for your ideal client if you structure it correctly. And to the 10% of people who don't think it's good enough, they're freebie seekers and they were never going to pay you. So why are we concerned about their opinion? So I'll get off my soapbox and we can come back to challenges. <laughs> yes. Okay. So why are challenges so good, you know, to sell any type of program and what is the optimal structure? Yeah. So in terms of what makes it so great. So let's start by saying like, how do you structure it and what makes it great. I think these two kind of fuse together a little bit. So I'll answer them together a little bit. First thing is to structure it out. You always need to start with a very tangible outcome. And to me, this is what makes or breaks a challenge. I can almost guarantee if a challenge is not going to be successful when someone tells me what they're naming it, or in our case, we call it the promise of your challenge. And we see lots of people that do like five day Instagram challenge, five day clean eating challenge, five day this challenge. And guess what? First off, no one wants to be challenged. So we don't really like to use the word challenge in any of our copy. We do use it in some of our advertisements to our internal audiences, but we've conditioned them to be watching for the word challenge, right? I'm literally, as we're planning to launch our program, we've done six weeks where I'm like, challenge this and challenge that and doing interviews like this. So I can use challenge with them, but to the general population, no one wants to be challenged, right? So if I say to you, what are your current experience in your business? That like that lights you up. You're like, oh my gosh, let me tell you all the stuff I'm doing in my business. And if I say, what are your business challenges right now? You're like, oh my gosh, ugh, don't even like, let me tell you, right? It's just a totally different dynamic. So first thing is don't call them challenges, call them live events, call them trainings, call them virtual events, call them whatever you want. Don't call them anything. Say learn to blah, blah, blah in five days. I don't care, but don't call them a challenge. That's the first thing. Second thing is have a clear and deliverable outcome. So I see Instagram challenges like it's nobody's business. I don't know if it's just where my attention is right now, but I see them all over the place. So they're my favorite example. Which would you rather sign up for? The five-day Instagram challenge or the 
generate your next 100 followers in just five days, right? It could the be the exact same. One. Yeah, the second yeah. one's way more appealing. It could be the exact same content. It doesn't have to change what's inside the challenge, but one is dramatically more appealing and speaks to the desire of your audience. And so that comes really down to what we were talking about earlier is getting that structure in the audience right to say, what do they want? What do they need to create to be ready to work with you? So if you are, say, a launch coach, right? If they can build a launch plan in five days, plan your $10,000 launch in just five days, and then you roll them into a coaching package that's $5,000, and they just built a $10,000 launch plan, it's $5,000 to work with you. And not only that, but you showed them over the course of five days that you can actually teach them in a way that's digestible, because if they walked away with a plan without having one-on-one access, they're going to be dying to get that one-on-one access, right? So the structure needs to be, what do I create so that people are ready to take the next step with me? Now, in terms of the actual challenge structure, we do a daily email, a daily live stream, and we hold it all inside of a Facebook group. And we also run some advertisements to the people in the challenge. So you kind of asked a really great question here, which is why is a challenge so great for this as opposed to like a webinar or an email launch? And the reason it works so well is that you get to connect with people on an individual basis. And I don't mean individual as in one-on-one. I mean individual as you're no longer the expert at the front of the room. You're the expert in the room. So if you've ever been to like a live event or you've been to a training, think about the way you regard someone who does like say a workshop that's very hands-on and gives you stuff as opposed to the person who gives you a 45-minute speech on the stage, right? We regard them both as an expert, but I want to work with the person who showed me what to do, right? That's at least for me, that's more appealing and that's my ideal client. So you need to make sure that you're creating this space for them to interact with you. So the reason we love them is that if you're sending an email every day, and you're sending them to a Facebook group where you're engaging in some capacity and you're doing a live stream, they're getting a real picture of who you are. There's only so much grooming and segmenting and, you know, filters that you can put on when it comes to showing up every day, right? At the end of five days, like your true colors are going to come out. And for some people, that's like a really fantastic thing. For some of you, you got to work on that, right? (laughs) But (laughs) the thing is, it gets them to really experience you. And what that does is it makes up for the shortcomings in the rest of your business. And people ask me like, well, how do you get good at copy? And how do you get good at Facebook ads? And how do you get good at this stuff? And the answer is like, you do them. You do them over and over and over again, and you study them. But in a challenge, guess what? If you are showing up for people, number one, you're getting them to take micro commitments. And just for for the sake of clarity, that's small, simple actions based on what you've told them to do. It builds immediate trust. Click here, comment on this Facebook, watch my live stream, ask a question. There's a very similar concept in sales psychology called the yes ladder. Basically, the more small actions I can get you to say yes to, the more momentum you build. And not just in buying my program, but in your own business. So even the people who don't buy my program go on to be really successful with this concept, right? They might not go out and have a big launch and know all my secrets, but they can go out and do something. And a lot of them do because they built that momentum. So you get this connection, you get those micro commitments at the end of it, all like the, what we think of as marketing hard skills become less important, right? Because you've humanized yourself and you've humanized the process. So it's no longer how amazing is your email copy, right? How fantastic are your Facebook ads? Are you really clever, right? Um, There's some fantastic, if you're anything like me, I'm an ads junkie. There's some really cool ads floating around where you're like, I could never write copy like that. 
but you don't have to. Because what this really does that a webinar or an email launch cannot do is it allows you to bring in this X factor, which is building a relationship in real time. When you do a webinar, you, I'm sure Sigrun, you can attest to this, it is scripted. And it's not scripted unintentionally. Like it is scripted for some people down to the word, for us down to the slide. Like Every slide has an intention. Every slide has a reason. Very specific numbers. Specific testimonials go in specific places. Certain slides have like different colored fonts and placements, and we've been testing it for a year, okay? You don't have time, if you will, to create the results that you see the big names doing with webinars and emails. Now, is there always that one unicorn that's like going to pop up the day after you publish this that's going to be like, oh my gosh, my first launch ever and I just made 50K? Absolutely. But I would challenge you to go look around at successful, like sustainable, successful business owners and find people that are like, oh yeah, my first ever launch. Oh yeah, it was, you know, $3 million, right? Are they out there? Yeah, I know a couple of them, but 90% of the successful people I know, their first launch was $1,000, $2,000. And Bringing in this X factor of I'm building a relationship allows you to do things that you can't do in a webinar or an email launch. And we tell people in our program all the time, I have a fantastic story that I'm going to share and hopefully the guy doesn't mind. The guy who owns Entreport, when we started working with him or when we used to be on Entreport, we wanted to buy a year of it. And I reached out to him at the end of the year. And I know that this is super tangent, but it'll all come together. Don't worry. It's super tangent. And he, I said, you know, hey, it's, uh, it was New Year's Eve, so December 31st, and their offices were closed. And I really wanted to get the tax write-offs. Anybody who loves some good write-offs, I was trying to pay for a full year in advance. And I messaged the guy who runs Entreport, or I'd messaged their customer support, and he personally messaged me and said, hey, even though it's the holiday, here's a link to upgrade your account. Because if I ever get to a point in business where I can't take 10 minutes out of my day to make $3,000, I've done something wrong. For whatever reason, that story sticks with me. And so this X factor, this relationship building allows you to do the same thing. So in your first launch, there is no shame in saying, guess what? Sally, Bob, and Margaret were so freaking engaged. I'm going to reach out to them one-on-one and say, I noticed you in the group. Do you have any questions? Yeah. Right. You can't do that in a webinar launch. I can't be like, hey, Sally, I saw you left like 20 comments. Do you want to talk? Sally doesn't feel like she knows me. She knows she was in a room with all these other people in a challenge. Mm. She feels like she knows me. Additionally, those people become champions for the cause when they buy. So we had one girl in our last challenge who she was a total rock star. The minute the card opened, she bought and she posted about it in our group and about four people commented and were like, well, if you're in, I'm in. And these are just things that you cannot replicate with a webinar. And quite honestly, you also can't replicate with a five-day content challenge because a content challenge is teach, 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 and it doesn't give you the ability to put your own students on a pedestal. My ability is to be a facilitator and to guide the ship. It's not to be a teacher in the challenge. It's to facilitate them through content I've created. And so all of those things come together to make what I consider like a really dynamic first launch. Because whether the cart open goes fantastic or not, there's things you can do. If the entire program is a bust or your entire launch is a bust, if you do a webinar and it doesn't work, good luck figuring out exactly what went wrong. I mean, it can take weeks and tweaking and testing. 
You don't know, like your challenge didn't work. Go look at your email rates. Did people stop opening on day three? Did people get lost? What questions did they have? You have a Facebook, like in our case, we have a Facebook group of a thousand people at any point in time. Go ask them why they didn't buy. Hey, I noticed you didn't buy. Can I ask why? I noticed you did buy. Can I ask why? And because you've done the work of building a relationship, they'll answer honestly. And they'll tell you like, I didn't buy because blah, 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 or I bought because of this. And you then can do another launch where you turn down the reasons they didn't buy, turn up and amplify the reasons they did. And really what you're doing is this combination of launching, relationship building, and audience research. And to me, there's just no better combination to do it, which is why in all of our big launches right now, we include a challenge. Wow. We have the answer why you should do a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) And... I do feel it's really good for people who are beginners, you know, also for the advanced ones, of course, but I I feel it is one of the best launch methods if you're just starting out in your business. I agree 100%. And one thing that we love about the challenge and something that we always get sideways looks for, and I kind of love it, is we encourage people to open their cart on a Friday and close their cart on a Sunday, which any advanced like marketer, and I don't mean advanced in terms of like you've made a ton of money. I mean advanced of is and you've studied a lot. You know that like they say don't do that. Don't open your card on a weekend. Definitely don't close on a Sunday. Um, and we encourage people to do that for two reasons. One, it gives you a card open that's over a weekend. So we find that I would say 80% of people come in gung-ho, like I'm going to go big, I'm going to launch big. And anybody who's launched for more than mm, three to four days will tell you it is mentally exhausting. It's a little better once you get a team, but it's a mental drain. And people have these grandiose expectations that they're going to do this big launch and be open for two weeks and everyone's going to love them. Um, And we're showing them like, hey, all you need is two days. Do it over a weekend. So whether you've got a full-time job or not, most people get the weekend off. You can launch over the weekend when you're available. And guess what? It still works. So we're showing them, number one, you don't need these massive launches to have results, right? If like the funny thing is I live in like an average apartment in Toledo, Ohio, maybe one down to California, but like I don't need a ton of money to live. Most of us don't. I live a relatively extravagant life on a relatively, I wouldn't say limited, but a relatively small income compared to, you know, what we generate in the business. And so we want them to get this quick win of here's a small card open. It's very simple. It's very direct. It's going to make you money anyway. So stop kind of listening to these BS rules about the industry and just take action. And finally, it gives them the opportunity to like experience a real launch during a time that they can actually do it and recover. So yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic for beginners because for me, that's the big draw. But on top of all of that, you know, you don't need a million slide decks. You don't need fantastic copy. And really for webinars, it comes down to those two things. Do you have a designer and do you have great copy? I mean, with email launches, it's going to come down to, do you have really compelling copy? With a challenge, it's just, can I get them in? Because I have the best personality. And I don't mean that in a tongue-in-cheek way. I mean, you really do have the best personality because your personality will shine through and attract the right people, right? There's absolutely people listening to this who, like I said, oh, there's this really great RuPaul quote who were like, I don't like you. That's annoying. I'm not listening to him anymore. And there's absolutely those people who are like, oh my gosh, I love RuPaul. I watch it every weekend. This guy's my jam, right? So you have the best personality for your clients. Let that shine through. And that to me is something any beginner can do because it happens organically. So... I know that you have a challenge coming up and this show is aired exactly when that's going on. So 
where can people go to learn this from you, Zach? Because you are actually doing a challenge, how to plan a challenge. Absolutely. So we're going to have it. We'll get a link set up so that we know you came through Sigrin. If you go to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash Sigrin, and I'm sure you can link that up in the, the show notes, it'll redirect you to our challenge, which is going to be starting August 14th at around 9 a.m. It'll be very similar to what we talked about today. And what we'll do is over the course of five days, walk you through the process of mapping out your own successful five-day challenge. Now, if you've been listening to this episode, what you've really noticed is that the majority of the work happens before the challenge in planning the concept and in planning the content. And that's what we're going to do over the course of five days. We're going to help you nail down how to message your audience, how to structure your challenge, and how to make it so that you're actually turning challengers into customers because legit nothing's worse than having a million challengers and spending a ton of time and not getting paid so if you want to check that out you can head over to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash sigrin we're going to be doing that on august 14th 9 a.m drop your email we're going to support you via email we've got live streams we've got a private facebook group this is my big one so get excited we get thousands of people in there and we would love to have you too I'm super excited. I'm, of course, going to join myself and watch you, Zach, woo your audience away and show us how you do professional challenges. And yeah, I'm so excited for you, Zach. And thank you for joining the show today. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man planning your launch and helping your clients. So I appreciate it. And I will be joining your challenge. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. Want to learn how you can have your five-figure challenge with your online program? Zach is running a free training and you are invited. Get access to his free training and the show notes of this episode by going to sigrun.com forward slash 15. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.